The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Before I kick into um, the miracle story that I'm going to be teaching on, I want to talk about has anybody here done anything out of just like pure adrenaline? Like you crush back some Mountain Dews and you're like, yes, let's go for it. All right, uh, I was going to say, because, you know, me and my friends back in the day, I mean, I, I was rolling off roofs in trash cans. I mean... I have countless stories. Jumping off two-story roofs onto a trampoline, trying to make it to a pool. Um, there was one time, Jordan's mom's house, they were eating a fancy dinner, and here me, Adam, and a couple other people jump into their backyard, fully clothed, and jump in their pool. So, yes, I am adrenaline junkie. Um, now, there have been times where I'm thinking to myself, should I be doing this? But then I go ahead and do it. Um, you know, I, me and my wife, we play soccer. Uh, I play with a couple people here on Thursday nights. I tell myself every single Thursday night, this is fun. I enjoy doing this. I'm going to go out there and have fun. So jogging along playing, someone flicks me in the ear that person is out to get me, and it is now my duty to go after that person. So what I told myself was that it's going to be fun, I'm going to be okay, and something happens, and my emotions and adrenaline kick in, and normally my wife's telling me to get off the field. Um, So tonight we are going to be talking about the miracle of Jesus healing the servant's ear. Um, Our main passage tonight is going to be Luke 22, 50 and 51. But I'm going to start in verse 47, but I'm going to give a little background to the story before I start. Right before our set of scriptures, in the beginning of verse 22 is the Last Supper. Then Jesus lets Judas go. We all know what Judas is going to do. And he takes his disciples up the Mount of Olives to go pray. Jesus prays to the point of sweating blood. He then come back, he comes back to see his disciples sleeping. And this is where we're going to start in verse 47. I tried to mark my Bible with post-it notes. While he was still speaking, behold, a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was preceding them. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, They said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus answered this and said, stop, no more of this. And he touched the ear 
and healed him. Now this excerpt from this set of scriptures, this miracle that happened, is in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew 26, 20, uh, 51 and 52, Mark 14, verse 47, and John 18, 10 and 11. I want to make note, in John, we find out that the person who drew the sword was Simon Peter. And the servant's name was Malchus, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And we learn in Luke, that is the only gospel that recorded Jesus healing the servant's ear. So just want to point out a few things before I dive in to three main truths. The sword that Peter had was called a gladius. It was a Roman short sword. It was one that they could hide under their skirts. So, it was hidden. This sword was used for stabbing. It was meant to kill. So, Peter, I mean, Malchus, luckily, it was lucky that Peter was a fisherman and not a soldier. Because Peter drew the sword basically to be like, Shank, you dead. And Malchus was like, and that's how his ear got cut off. So, um, and I also want to point out the fact that this was Jesus' last miracle before the resurrection. So, now I want to dive into some key aspects I pulled out of the miracle that stood out as I was studying. Tonight, I'm going to focus on three main points from this miracle story. We're going to look at Peter in this scenario, the words that Jesus spoke to Peter and Matthew, and finally, we're going to focus on Jesus healing the servant's ear. So first off, we're going to look at Peter in this story. Peter's actions in this scenario show our flawed human nature when push comes to shove. A few verses back, we see Jesus and his disciples going to the Mount of Olives to pray. Jesus then addresses his disciples, telling them to pray that they may not be led into temptation. Then Jesus goes off on his own to pray. When he returns, he finds his disciples sleeping. He then wakes them up and yet again says, rise and pray and do not fall into temptation. So then as he was speaking, here comes a crowd with Judas. Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss to give him away to the guards. They reach out to grab Jesus. When Peter sees this, he pulls out his knife and reacts out of his flesh. What Peter failed to realize is that his quick-witted reaction was more fuel to the arrest of Jesus. Because of this act of violence, the Roman guards can now claim Jesus' followers were equipped with weapons and were planning warfare of some sort. This leads me to my first main point. Our human nature, unprepared by prayer, gets us into much trouble. 
how many of us know that Jesus knows what we need before we even have to ask or even act? Here we have Jesus telling his disciples to pray that they might not fall into temptation. He said it twice. What happened? They fell asleep. Later on, what happens? Peter's tempted. He's tempted to react out of his human nature, unprepared through prayer. So from this, we learn the importance of prayer. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. But what does this mean? Sometimes I think it's funny, like, we hear that pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. You know, to me as, as a kid, I was told that all the time. So to me, I'm thinking about it. All right, well, that means I don't have to have conversations with anybody else because I just, I'm going to be praying all the time. I'm just, you know, whatever. Let's not have a conversation. I'm just praying with Jesus. You can't get mad at that. But it does not mean that. Praying without ceasing is having a mental attitude for prayerfulness, consistent fellowship with God, and consciousness of being in his presence daily. Praying builds relationship with Christ, and it fuels our spirit. It draws us closer to God, to his voice, So when temptation comes, we know his voice and we feel his presence throughout the temptation. So again, from Peter, we learn that our human nature, unprepared by prayer, gets us into much trouble. Next, I'd like to flip over to the Gospel of Matthew And look at what Jesus said in chapter 26, verse 52. If you guys don't mind turning there. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back to its place. For all who take the sword shall perish by the sword. How many of you have heard the phrase, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword? When thinking about this phrase, we mostly put it to terms of what goes around comes around, or even you reap what you sow. But I'd like to point this out in kind of a different aspect of what I feel Jesus might be saying in this. I believe that Jesus is saying at this point, he's saying it to Peter because he's trying to save him from death. You see, Peter was being quick-witted about thinking, quick-witted without thinking, was trying to do the right thing and fight for Jesus. But he failed to realize that his violent act could also be a repercussion for him and a reason for him to faith face death as well with the Roman soldier. 
Now, I do believe this has a deeper meaning from this phrase. But I wanted to point out the fact that Jesus could have been saying this to be like, dude, if you pull out your sword, they will kill you. So I want to bring up the fact that I have struggled a very long time with depression. Um, a big struggle of mine that I fall into a lot is feeling like a failure. I struggle to build friendships because I'm always worried about failing that person. I struggle with parenting because I feel like I'm never going to be good enough. I struggle with my wife because I don't think I'm going to be a good husband. Failing to me is worse than death. And when my dad passed away, I hid it all inside. I lost a lot of friendships, and I constantly never, ever, ever felt like myself. It was a very, very rough patch and I still constantly am tempted by feeling like a failure. I'm constantly, constantly looking at everything. I can walk, I, I used to, to, in describing this to my wife, because the beautiful thing about Jesus is he puts two different people together. And the difference is, are really beautiful because it helps us to appreciate and worship God more, that he can put two people who are completely different and make it work. And so trying to describe it to my wife about how I feel, I'm like, I could walk into a room that people would just like go crazy about, like a room full of puppies or trampolines or laser tag or you know you name it like whatever you think is the most fun awesome thing filled in a room I could walk in there and point out the one bad thing it affected so much of my life and it's hard too because now I think about all the people that I could have given witness to that I just missed. And it's hard not to even take that weight on as feeling like a failure, that I failed God. So why am I telling you all of this stuff? Because if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If I let my thoughts take over, and start to feel like a failure, then I start to believe those lies and they take over. They start to drag me down, push others away, and hurt my relationship with Christ. I know countless people I've hurt who have done absolutely nothing to me. This is what I feel when Jesus tells Peter this. Take from this phrase what you want, but you can put this phrase with any other than Christ. 
whether it be violence, depression, pride, or any other sin, when you live by those actions or lies, they will push you to death. These thoughts that were in my head became actions that not only hurt me, but hurt others. So even though Jesus was telling Peter that his act of irrational violence could have killed him, I believe he's also saying to us that whatever we we let rule us could eventually be the very thing that destroys us. Now I know all this sounds very sad and gloomy, but it's not the end of the story. So now we're going to take a look at Jesus and his action in this miracle. So here is Jesus. Just finished praying to the point of sweating blood, knowing what is about to happen to him. Being betrayed by his very own disciple. And then Peter reacts out of his flesh. But Jesus, out of his compassion and love, reached out and healed the servant's ear. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm having a bad day, helping others is the last thing on my mind. In fact, the only thing on my mind is the reason I am having a bad day. So me and Eli went to um, Bogarts, um, which is a um, place downtown that holds concerts and everything. And we went to see um, a famous rapper named Lecrae. It was awesome. It was so much fun. We enjoyed it a ton. I enjoy doing things like that with him. But I remember at one moment, Lecrae paused, and he was talking to the crowd. One thing he said really stood out to me. And he said, isn't it funny how we as humans can let one thing ruin our day? And the reason it does is because we dwell on that one thing the rest of the day. See, as humans, we can have one thing go wrong and focus on that. It's the reasons we treat other people poorly. It's the reason why when people come up and ask, are you having a good day? You say, no, I'm not having a good day. But I'm thankful that we have Jesus as an example on how to handle situations that are tough and seem to drag us down. See, in this we see such a beautiful, compassionate heart of God. Through all Jesus had gone through and was about to go through, he reached out and touched the servant's ear, and it was healed. My third and final point is this, that the act of healing displayed that his arrest and death would provide forgiveness and healing for those who would come to him. We see Peter, the sinful nature of flesh, our sinful desire to act out of pride and anger. It was all offered up on the cross. 
we see the beauty and the forgiveness of our Father. The servant who was coming out to arrest Jesus was healed from compassion. This shows the heart of God that even though we turn away or even attack him, not knowing who he truly is, that there is healing and forgiveness. The servant probably had no idea what he was getting into. He was probably told to go with his master, the high priest, and arrest Jesus. And here, this man, he was going to arrest, stopped everything in the midst of all the chaos and healed his ear. I just want to take kind of a side note um, about Malchus real quick. He's coming out to arrest Jesus with his master. And bam, Peter draws a sword. He's got to be real quick to move because Peter was out to kill him. What do you think could have been going through his head? Then Jesus seeks him out and heals him before being led off to his arrest. What would you be thinking in this scenario? What do you think would possibly be going through Malchus' mind in this moment? Unfortunately, we don't hear or read any more about Malchus. But in studying this miracle, I did find that John had made mention of his name. In many of the miracles, we don't find out the people's names. With this being said, it could have been that he was a part of the church enough that they remembered his name. I would like to hope and think that because of this, Malchus changed his life. But all of this shows me that the chaos, no matter the chaos going on in your life, Christ is always there to forgive and heal. Whether you're Peter, who acted out of emotion without praying, or the servant who is coming to attack Jesus, there is healing and forgiveness. This also shows the true nature of God. Unlike most of Christ's miracles, which all are absolutely incredible and full of compassion as well. Jesus stopped in the midst of it all, not for a life-threatening injury. Let's just be real. This guy was probably not going to die having his ear cut off. But through all the shouting, the emotions, people trying to arrest him, grabbing him. Not only that, he was just praying to the point of bleeding. All of this, and he stopped to heal the enemy. The person coming out to arrest him. This was Christ's last act before his death. To me, this speaks volumes. 
Jesus heals the enemy. Guys, if we're not in Christ, we are the enemy. We are wretched sinners who deserve death. This miracle beautifully displays the gospel. If Christ, in the midst of being led to his death, with crowds screaming and shouting, soldiers grabbing him, could stop and heal Malchus, do you not think he could do the same for you? No matter where you are in life, what you're going through right now, through the chaos, Christ can meet you with forgiveness and healing. He did it for me. When I was at my lowest, he met me there. I wasn't riding sky high, as happy as I could be. I was hurting my marriage, my kids, my friends, those who I let pass by without sharing the gospel with. But he still met me there. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with or hurt from or even hurting others. He is there to forgive and heal. So lastly, I want to challenge you to take action from this story tonight. You see, if Christ had it in him with all that he was going through to stop and heal, one of the men coming out to arrest him, then we need to look at ourselves and see who it is we are letting there, who we are letting sit there and bleed in our lives. I'm not saying we're all going to be perfect And still, Christ is perfect. We're not going to be him. He will always be perfect. But this right here shows me that I need to be looking in my life and the people in my life to see who I've yet to apologize to or try to heal and mend the relationships I've broken. Not only my friends, but those who were my enemies. This miracle displays what the gospel is all about. We are sinners who act out of our sinful flesh, and the only way we can be rescued from this is through the healing and cleansing of our Savior's blood that was shed. And after this precious gift of healing is received, we are not told to hide it, but to share it with others. The Great Commission tells us to go forth and make disciples of all nations. Not just the ones we like or the ones that don't hurt us or talk back to us, but all nations. So I challenge you tonight to really think about not only your prayer life, what you live by, but what chaos you are putting aside in your life to seek out others. Prayer is so important. Not letting things control and rule your life is thoroughly important. It's so easy to push aside our time with Christ and focus on other things. We live in a time where we can search things super easy on a cell phone. 
we could sit back on our couch and turn on the TV and cut ourselves off from everything. If you continue to let those things rule your life, those things will be the things that destroy you. But if you let Christ step in and heal any broken wounds, man, it's, I, I can't even explain the feeling of restoration, the feeling of truly being in repentance, Christ truly meeting you where you are. It is the most beautiful thing I have ever felt. I mean, I'm, I was in a dark place. And instantly, he was there. God is good. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you so much, Father, for your word. Lord, I'm thankful that you, God, gave me the ability to be able to come up here and through you be able to teach your word, Father. God, I ask tonight that we focus on you. God, that we take the time and set it aside to just pray and seek after you, Father. The more that we pray, the more we get to know you. The more that we seek you, the more we will find you, Father. Help us not be led in our flesh, Father. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for um, just who you are, Lord. We thank you for, God, the kids and just the things that they have accomplished. It's truly a blessing and a, and a miracle in itself that we have kids who have pushed through three years of reading the Bible. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to have a church family that seeks after you. God, I pray that as we take communion and, as that, and that as we worship you, Father God, that you meet us here. I pray that your spirit takes hold of our hearts and softens them, that we may find you, Father. God, we love you and we thank you for tonight. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.